You've arrived. You've arrived to the Nipple Whiskers Podcast with your host, Bob Dog. He doesn't like you either. Come along as he explores the shadows of yesterday's failures in order to gain the knowledge required for a better tomorrow. The journey starts now. Let's go! What's happening, folks? What's happening, folks? Bob Dog checking in with you once again. Oh, man, life is good. Life is good. We woke up this morning. Hopefully, y'all feel the same. Hopefully, y'all are healthy enough at least to uh, make a, the best of your opportunities. That's the goal, and uh, let's keep it on pushing. So, today's episode, I've definitely been juggling around. I've been working on this one for quite some time. It, it, the notes just keep on going. This shit's turning into a novel, so I'm just going to hit the record button, go over what I got, and see what the hell comes out of it. Today's episode is all about judgment. Um, It's definitely going to be, I'm going to try to focus on judgment of myself and also the judgment that I believe others had upon me. Um, Even then, it's all fabricated. You know, what, what you... What you think about yourself or what you think others think about you is what you truly are. Or however the hell that saying goes, you got me, man. I don't know all that shit. But I do know for a while there, you know, I, I, I grew up the American dream. And for those that don't know, I definitely, you know, grew up with the American dream. We had our family all together. I had uh, four sisters. I had me and my brother. My dad owned a business. We had our house. You know, I had a stay-at-home mom and it was beautiful, man. So before I get any further, I think for people that get into it, it might help when it goes back to how I'm raised because I'm looking at a lot of this being tied in. Um, my parents' upbringing, my mom was raised mostly by her mother, and my father was raised mostly by his father. So they're not really from family backgrounds. On my mom's side, um, her mom was a, you know, my grandma, so that's going to be she was a teacher for over 30 years, just right around the corner from me, um, right up the hill. A lot of my friends actually had her as a teacher, RIP. She was an amazing woman. She's the one woman who I never felt like she judged me in life, and she would never hold it against me. I felt like I was always welcome to go there, even at my lowest points in life. And it was always an honor, a privilege just to be in her presence and just, RIP to my grandma, man. Definitely love, miss her. And whew, she was amazing. She was amazing. She definitely, um, uh, when it comes to judgment, I couldn't, I couldn't speak on a judgment episode without, you know, grandma, man. Y'all know those pure hearts. You guys know what I'm talking about. So got to bring up grandma, but grandma, she was there. Um, her father. So my mom's father, he was not around so much. He definitely traveled. I know he lived in Iran. Uh, my mom also lived with him in Iran for a short period when my mom was getting in trouble and she got kicked out by her mom. You know, that's a whole whole nother thing. I guess my mom was a problem child in her family. But my grandpa, he lived overseas for many years. Um, by the time I was old enough really to know anything about him at this point when my sisters found him later on in life, he was in a lived in a trailer just drinking alcohol every day. I mean, when I saw this guy, he was like a lizard. He had just skin cells just hanging off of him like he hadn't showered in years. I mean, it was it was like living conditions I had never seen before. That's that's what I can say. Um, she does have two sisters. One, my aunt, she committed suicide not too long ago, um, maybe 10 years ago now, eight years ago, something like that. But definitely my Aunt Lisa, man, my heart goes out to her. She was an amazing woman. Definitely got all my gaming and everything from her. But she definitely judged the shit out of me. I ain't going to lie. She's the one that told me, 
you know, go, go back home when I literally, we had, I had nowhere to live. And that was the first time I heard my grandmother cuss when she said, don't you ever fucking, but that was a whole different thing, a whole different thing. But, um, definitely my mom had her, her issues over on that side with her family ordeals. Her other sister is completely successful, worked in Sacramento. As soon as she retired, she got the hell out of here. She's successful beyond, she, you know, I, I don't even know. She, she's just on another level. She's barely, you know, we, we've associated with her. I love my aunt, but we don't really know her. We flew out of state one time to see her, and I've seen her maybe 10 times in my life, but she's just successful beyond don't even fuck with us. But I don't blame her for that. My mom's always been something special. My mom definitely has had a lot of drug habits over the years, and, yeah, she was raised by her mama. My dad's side, he was... um his mom passed away when he was young, I think about 12 years old. She, her mom was 33 on the back of a motorcycle when it hit a telephone pole or a tree or something, but she passed away. His father, my grandfather, was a member of the Hells Angels. Um, he, I know he beat the hell out of them kids. I know he broke my dad's nose and busted out his two front teeth at the same time when he was 13 and with one punch. Um I know that he has his own upbringing. He hasn't told us too much. I know they ate cereal with water, those types of days. I know he struggled through it. It made him who he is, but he was definitely um, not very emotional. We'll put it that way. He was more of, he was he was a boss. You know, he was the owner of his job. You know, he was definitely the owner by the time I was old enough to remember. He did have one brother and one sister. His one sister, she was kind of like, cracked out we'll say and she kind of lives down by the beach she's a beach bum now his one brother he was always in prison um, for over 20 years I'm sure it was a murder or something but he was always in prison he got out recently so he's like super biker I guess he's he's more like grandpa you know just biker life my dad he's not not on the biker life and the street bikes he does the dirt bike thing um but my dad's very non he's not he's not emotional like that so when it comes to my childhood, I definitely had um, the perfect childhood when it comes to me. You know, I had my little family, my mom and dad. I had both of them, so I was very lucky. We owned a house, you know, and my dad owned a business. And I remember the school bus used to stop just for me to get out right next to the railroad tracks, and I would run down this asphalt gravel road, and there might be my little, my little brother be running towards me with his arms out, and I'm running towards him, and we just give the biggest hug, and I'm just going to my dad's shop, which was right next to a truck stop. And they would literally pull over and just drop me off. There was no truck stop there. It was just, I don't know. My dad had it like that, and he was real cool. He worked on all the school buses and everything. So we were just part of the community, to be honest. Like a lot of the truck drivers and stuff, a lot of them know my dad and stuff. So my dad was definitely a member of the, society, of the community. But at the same time, emotionally, he I'm going to say he was not available. He wasn't really there. He, he didn't. He's kind of like me. We don't value the emotions so much. What's the task? Let's get it done. And whatever emotions he felt along the way, well, those are just kind of obstacles. Um, my mother, on the other hand, she was driven by emotion. When they used to get in arguments as a child, they would, uh, well, they wouldn't get in arguments. My dad would never yell. I never heard my dad yell. He just kind of keeps it real low key. You know what I mean? But my mom, she would just go off. Uh, my first burnout, she was in a Oldsmobile threw it in reverse, just peeling out through the dirt, just cussing at my dad, flipping him off, kicking rocks everywhere um, in front of his shop and all that. So that was that was always interesting. But one thing that did trip my I had a grandpa. Um, So I did have a grandpa and I'm not sure how this happened. But to us, he was always Grandpa Doug. And 
come to find out, you know, after we grew up, he wasn't actually our grandpa. That was my dad's boss from when he was a young age, I think 14, 15. My dad started working there. So by the time I was born, my dad owned the company. But initially, he was the boss, and he actually handed it down or however it went, but it ended up being my dad's company after that. So my grandpa was there. My That's what I mean. There was... My dad definitely did have an emotional side at some point because I don't know if it was just providing for him all those years and just being more of a father figure than his actual father ever was. Um, there was a person that I called my grandpa that wasn't actually my grandpa. So that's kind of weird looking back, but it is what it is. So my childhood, I did have four sisters, half sisters from two previous marriages. My father came with three. My mother came with one. For those who don't know, my sisters then went on to marry an African-American gentleman, a Klansman, an Italian gentleman, and an illegal immigrant Mexican gentleman. My brother went on to date for a long time a girl from a nudist colony. So it's been interesting culturally. Um, we did grow up in around some racism um, in my childhood. We definitely, there was some racism. I'm going to say my dad was a little racist. There was a I can't say my mom wasn't because when the OJ trial went off, I remember her hanging an American flag outside with a bloody glove on it and had that wife not been white, I guarantee you there would have been no involvement of our family. But so there was always that. So when it came to judgment, there was a lot of judgment around the house, but more so an outside judgment. Um, As far as judgment on us, I think we were viewed as successful, um, especially me in school. With my dad being, you know, a business owner, working on our school buses, being, you know, out there well known. And then my mom just being a stay at home PTA mom. She was involved in the schools. Her mom was a teacher. So my mom was always involved in the other elementary school as well. So she was very well known. So I think we were viewed as successful at that point. Um, This is all my assumption because I really don't know. I could definitely ask people, but I I, I would guess, you know, we're, we're doing all right, man. We're doing all right. So. Living the American dream, I have school clothes. Um, that was beautiful. I, we had haircuts all the time. Um, I was asked to go to gate program, which was, you know, for the, the higher, more advanced kids. So I was definitely doing good in school. I was enrolled in soccer. I did t-ball. I did martial arts. I played football. I did BMXing. I got third in the world nationals. I had sponsorships. Um, I did motocross. I mean, I was always losing. So losing was part of growth when it came to that and being viewed as a loser. It was like, oh, you got second or third place. I always just wanted to win for this sense of growth, not for impressing others, but I enjoyed winning. I always loved competition. I still love competition. I'm a huge fan of competition. I get laughed at when I lose, and I'm, I'm fine with that. So I definitely learned how to accept my losses when it came to that. Um, when it came to that judgment, it's like people still laugh. I made some fight picks last weekend. They, they were just shit. I mean, fight picks just hell. And I look back and all I want to do is just learn how I was so far off. And I really didn't expect five KOs of the five main event cards. I mean, you typically don't see that. I expected more ground and pound from Derns or Yuri Prokoska, but it didn't happen. I mean, it was just different. So I do look back and I look at what I can grow from and I cast my own judgment on the situation. However, the outside world is going to keep looking at us, folks. They're going to keep laughing at you. Um, At this point, I don't think anybody's laughing at me um especially in school and stuff I was still I was the pest I was uh from what people told me I was the pain in the ass I ran around I was always messing with girls and running around like just talking with girls when I talk with the uh, K 
kids that knew me back then, they're like, dude, you were just always running, running around the playground, just always, you know, I was a happy kid. Very happy, very cheerful, very energetic, always going, going, going. I'm still the same way. It pisses some people off. Some people find it annoying, but y'all motherfuckers got to get over that shit because that's me. Um, If you brought me to some type of person, I'm sure they'd say I have ADHD or some shit like that. Try to put me on medication, but I smoked my medication. I smoked a lot of weed in my lifetime, so if I ever need to calm down, I know the route I choose to take. I don't need no pills. I don't need to go that route. However, when I'm sober, I am... um, One hell of an energy, and I truly, truly, truly enjoy it. And this is where my time of winning comes to an end. So this is where the divorce comes in. I remember coming home from school one day, and at this point, life is so good, man. We're in third grade. Life is good. Everything's good. Doing good in school, you know, everything. And uh, I knew things were bad at home. Um, I remember... I knew things were bad because my mom ended up getting a job. So my mom ended up starting working right towards the end. I mean, not very long. She was going to school for her AAs, working on computers. And then after she got that, she went to work, and it was going bad, man. I remember she went on a business trip. And my dad and my brother, we all went to the airport to drop her off. I remember my dad dropping her off to her boss and his family, And they were all there, and we all see each other. We all meet, blah, blah, blah. And as they were leaving, my dad said, that's your mom's new boyfriend. And I remember that as a kid for some reason. I just remember that. So, you know, I remember getting my alien um, lollipop. I got my alien lollipop, and we went back, got in the car, went home. You know, my mom went on her trip, did her thing. She came back. She was around for a little bit, and then I just remember coming home from school one day and seeing my dad there with tears in his eyes now like I said my dad he's he's a tough guy he's not emotionally there and I remember coming in the door and he had a cigarette in his hand my dad never smoked he had a cigarette in his hand I opened the door and I see my dad sitting there smoke you know with a cigarette in his hand and I looked at him and I said stop playing that's exactly what I told him and when he looked at me I saw the tears in his eyes and I knew exactly what happened I knew I, I knew it you know he was it was my dad was broken So I just ran to the room. I don't know what happened with my brother. I didn't grab his hand. I really wonder. I'm curious. You know, I I don't think my sister was there. I don't remember. Um, I just remember running to my pillow and just the the gravity of that moment. I remember I had laid in my bed previously praying that they divorced just when I would get in trouble and stuff. And, you know, they send you to your bedroom or something. I was like, man, I hope that I wish they got a divorce. And I just remember blaming myself for that one. But just being like, man, what if I didn't? Or what if my prayers were answered, you know? And it's like, fuck, you got to be careful. But uh, times have changed over that. Uh, definitely feelings and uh, reality. But the divorce, man, that was that was a big one just because it went from being viewed as a success. And I think that we were probably viewed as a success to uh, it was it was basically a reality check. Um, just seeing my dad's cry my dad cry and then experience my sister's drug experience. That was, um, a big one. So my, my sister came from my mom's side, all my dad's daughters and moved out at this point, but my sister was still there and she was doing decent in school. She had like a 3.6 GPA. She was up there, did really good in school, but she ended up getting caught in drugs right at the end of her senior year and ended up dropping out like just weeks before graduation on some stupid shit. She always looks back like, I don't know what the fuck happened, but 
she definitely went off the deep end, but she was always like a wear, no, not wearing shoes at, in high school type person, type girl. Like, she was fucking weird, but, yeah, she went on that dope game and just ended up uh, going through her own shit. So, as a kid, I just remember being in my house and remembering my sister coming home, and she was, uh, she had a boyfriend at the time, and he had a S10 mini truck. I remember I always liked his truck, and he had a flip-up, the DVDs. I don't know if you remember the flip-up TVs back in the day in the 90s. If y'all seen it, man, that shit blew my mind the first time I saw a TV pop out of this man's dash. I was like, what the fuck is that? Oh, it was amazing. Um, That's back in these 90s days. So I remember my sister being out. She came home. I thought they were at the bar or something, whatever. And she came home, and I just remember being like, they're coming to get me. He's coming to get me. And she's freaking out. And she's like, don't you hear the music? And I'm like, no, I don't I don't hear shit. But I got my T-ball baseball bat. Like, I, I got it with my green handle. Like, I'm ready. And I'm like, and don't worry. Dad's here. He's got enough guns. Like, he'll take out an army. Like, we got you. Don't worry. And she's like, no, no, I can hear his music. And she's like freaking out. So I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I don't hear any music, but I, I know that we're safe. We got you. Like, you're home. You're okay. I remember my dad walking in the room and just being like, get out of here. Like, get the fuck out of here. And just like, not, he didn't say fuck, but I just remember him like being like, get out of here. Don't ever bring that around here again. Like, ever. Did and he's like freaking out. And I'm like, what? Like, there's people after her. You can't put her outside. And he's like, get out of here. I don't care where you go. Call somebody. Get out of here. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. But the whole point of judgment is just like shit's falling apart. So our, our shit's falling apart. Now it's just a bachelor pad. It's me, my dad, and my brother. We go from having tea, you know, from having family meals and sitting home doing homework every night at 8 p.m. We'd sit in there with my mom and do homework every night. This divorce changed everything. I mean, we I, I, I never did homework again. Um, I never did homework again. We never went clothes shopping from that day forward. We did buy some shoes, but whenever we did, we went to the three pair for $20 bootleg, get the Nikes with the backward Nikes or the Jordans with the fucking fat looking shack logo. And just like, we literally never got school clothes, new school clothes again. Uh, My grandma would give us one pair or one outfit every Christmas or something. We'd get a pair and maybe my grandma, my aunt would give me something. Um, She got me a cool vest one time. I remember that vest. I'll never forget it, man. I loved my vest, but there's just certain things, you know, we never, never got school clothes again. We never really did that. We, um, it went to shit quick, man. The TV dinners would definitely never forget that. Cause that, that's a big change in just having, you know, home cooked meals to this is what we got, like it or not. This is my dad's making. This is what we got. He started making some bullshit called goulash. So when it came to, let's just say others opinions of us, I'm sure we started they saw us going downhill. My teachers and everything, we went from being, I mean, we would get haircuts every couple of weeks to my hair started getting long. My hair started getting down to my shoulders. So I always had the gentleman's haircut or the bowl cut, if, you know, more familiar. And it just started getting longer and longer. And next thing you know, I'm looking like baby Jesus in this motherfucker. But I didn't mind that. So I failed, you know, in fourth grade, I pretty much failed. And I remember hearing from my mom, just like, she's going to pass you, but you basically failed. You, you guys just aren't doing homework, you know, and everybody knew it was just, it was the downfall. So where my, I got student of the month every month, um, up until sixth grade, the very first month every year. So I was always like a good kid, but when it came to doing schoolwork and the actual curriculum, I guess you would call it, I, my shit fell off. It just, it went from being, you know, up there in grades to just fuck you. I'm not doing it. As soon as I leave there, 
I'm going to go get on my bike and I'm going to go right around town. My dad wasn't home. He was at work till 5 p.m. every day. So as soon as we got home, we were gone. Get home. You got to do your homework. Yep. Now he starts working on dinner. Now he's got to figure things out. Um, he did do the laundry. I remember our laundry started getting so fucked up, man. My dad did not know how to do laundry. He was just all our black clothes was just turning like gray to, to damn near white. Um, our white tee started turning yellow and it was just. It was all fucked up, man. We just started looking real rugged. Um, at that point, my mom and my stepdad, they were, uh, they started living out of hotels. They, they, they had it good at first living in Rancho, you know, but their shit, it, the drugs and shit caught up and they ended up living hotel in for quite a while. We would go meet up with them and our school clothes was basically going to the hotel lobby and seeing if they had any extra clothes and we would just get bags and bags of clothes that we would just, dig through for hours i mean this shit had looking back it had to be covered in semen and urine and who knows what but we would find old skater shirts like independent shirts where they're so old they've been washed so many times they're all cracking and stuff but still man i would take them i'm wearing those to school those are my favorite t-shirts and they're just old beat up dingy as fuck already gray like we haven't even washed them yet and they're they were left behind in hotel rooms type clothes so that was our clothes shopping those were those were the days um me, I loved every part of it. I loved having independent shirts. I loved doing that. Now, why did I love it? I'm sure that I just wanted the logo for the people. You know, I'm sure that I was already bought into the brand and just trying to be part of the skate scene. But people at school, they already knew me. I had two pairs of pants. I had a pair of 36s and a pair of 42s. Um, to this day, I wear like 32s, 30, 34s, you know, and it's they were so big on me back then. I was the kid that had to wear a belt. I had the loop in my pants. Um, I never got dress code for baggy clothes because they knew. The school knew. You could look at me and be like, oh, it's that kid. Um, I, w- I was that dirty, dirty little kid, you know, especially when it came to middle school. I was full-blown, smoking weed, didn't give a damn. Um, wash, you know, I washed my clothes occasionally, didn't, didn't care. Nobody cared, you know, when it came to that type of stuff. So I think at this point... As far as viewing myself, um, by seventh grade, I planned to be dead by 25. So I had already viewed myself as a failure. Um, in society's view, I think I, w- I was becoming a failure. I was a full-blown on the way to becoming a failure by middle school. Um, it didn't take long, folks. Once this shit all kicked in, it was, you know, I, I definitely think that society, I, I went to being on the right track to just fucking get that. For, we could do without that guy, you know, real, real quick. And it was just a couple things that happened in my life surrounding it. Um, I'm sure that I could have done better personally. And th- that's why I don't, I don't hold anything against my parents, especially my mom. I know how drugs are. Um, I've lived around drugs enough to where I don't even judge her for the shit that did happen. We've had some good heart to hearts where she said, you know, I wish I never did leave. I never did leave. You know, and it's just, I wonder what would have happened if she never did. And I'm sure I still would have become a piece of shit, but just judgment, folks. I mean, they've been laughing at me for, for a long time. They've been laughing at me. So it was interesting. So right around that time, you know, um, a real reality check when I just had to move to San Bernardino and I actually became more of a minority. You know, I was no longer one of the, one of the, one of the uh, many races. I was one of the few. Um, prior to that, we had lived in Colton, and there was just the school. It, it, was, it was awesome, man. I mean, it was the American dream, but however, my mom and stepdad started living in hotels. My dad's business also also began to fail. Um, I got expelled from school. 
my dad, like I said, his business failed. Um, and I was kicked out. I was kicked out of home. I had to go live at this point with my mom. Um, this is where the San Bernardino life started. And that's where I became white boy. Like really, really no, it just the white boy. You know, there weren't very many white kids at the San Bernardino high school. And the ones that were, they were successful. I mean, there was not a dirty white kid like me. The ones that were there, they were like real white kids. So it was, I was so out of place, man. I got there. I had one good friend. His, his name was David. I wish I remembered his last name. Um, he had a little Afro. He lived over there on ninth, the mountain view. And, uh, I mean, besides him, I had, I had two other kids that I really hung out with like outside of school or in school. But other than that, it was just me. Um, my lunches were spent by myself sitting on the wall, watching people play handball. I didn't even play. I would just sit there and watch. I sell weed. I had pounds of weed at home, just stressed by the, by the ass load. I couldn't, I mean, QPs just sitting around home, sitting in my golf bag that I never used. And it was just, I would just sit there and sell weed, you know, and didn't really have much going on. I'd go home, play Final Fantasy and just, I mean, I didn't, I didn't have anything in life really. I, I was doing really good in school in San Bernardino High because I wasn't really involved with anybody, but I was doing really good when I was in school. Um, if you ask the kids, I was definitely the, the kid in the back of the class. I didn't talk to anybody. I definitely had my long hair. I just sat there. I did get in some fights. Um, I was sitting on PE, you know, one of my first weeks. And I remember bending down to tighten my shoe, just tie my shoe. And there was a large Hispanic kid walked by and just elbowed me in the back of the head. And I got up like, what the fuck? And he's like, what? I just started, bing, bing, bing. You know what I mean? There's no... We ain't got nothing else to say. I already know how this is going. So, you know, get in some fights, some altercations. Um, it was interesting, man. It was a, I was full-blown failure. So that's what I'm telling you. I, I only tell you all this just because, man, I've been full-blown failure. Um, that's when I started hanging out with my boy Russell. Uh, Russell, he lived right behind the rock. I mean, this is one of the, the most ghetto houses that I've definitely ever lived in. And I've been in a lot of places. I mean, we had no back door. We lost Python. We had a Python pet that got loose. It just lived somewhere. The pile of laundry in the back was so high. I don't know what layers of mold were on there. We had black widows that used to crawl out of the sinks. Like I said, we had no doors. We eventually put a plywood door back there that would open and close. There was a meth lab in the backyard that eventually caught fire and blew up. Um, we had a lot of stolen cars parked in front. His uncle went to car lots and would just tell the dude, get the fuck out of the car. And then, you know, steal the cars like that. We always had r- the police coming in all the time. Um, that's where life really started. I saw my first murder. That was interesting. Going across the train tracks and it was a float full blown. Like you want to talk about failures. I was that, I was that guy. We were, literally, we beat up a bum. We gave him $16 to go get us tall cans he came back, said we only gave him six and gave us like two or three tall cans. I remember Tuna, we beat the shit out of him. We had to beat on that dude. And uh, I just remember my biggest thing was punching him in the mouth because I didn't want anything from his teeth. And it was just, I mean, we were full-blown failure, man. We were robbing, we were doing everything, whatever we had to do, man. Just peach optimo days, smoking stress weed by the brick. Um, I remember smoking weed that was brought over in a gas tank and the weed bundle had sprung a leak so the gas ended up getting on the weed so we were literally just smoking gas weed we could get like damn near an ounce for five bucks and we were just getting fat bricks but it all smelled like gasoline these bricks are sitting in somebody's backyard in a five gallon barrel just trying to no longer smell like gas they didn't know what to do it was just hello hello folks definitely smoked on some shit that's gonna end up killing me but i mean i I was i was failure i am a failure so it's 
Let them laugh. Let them laugh. I look at them today, and it's like I could proceed any image that I want, especially online. I could do whatever I want. I could go stand by cars and try to be this social person if you want. Man, learn from my fucking failures. That's all I try to be. I want my children to learn from them. I want them to know that, you know, I don't. I'm not scared of them knowing that I I was a piece of shit, and I can turn it around. Change is the most beautiful thing. So I'll just keep back to where I was. So at this point, um, I'm just a piece of shit, man. You know, I'm going nowhere. I was doing decent in school. I remember sitting with the counselor. They pulled me in one day and they're like, look, Rob, like you only have so many credits. You're literally going to have to be here for two more years before you graduate. And when they told me that I was like two more, like, no, give me extra classes. Like, let me do whatever. And they're like, no, you don't understand. You cannot graduate in time. And that was, that was a life changing thing i remember going home and be like mom i'm done like i'm not gonna go extra years in school i'm not gonna do that that's fucking crazy i'm not gonna do it so i want to work at which point her and i started going down to the uh district office for the schools and you know i found out oh i actually got a job at the soup plantation but i couldn't work there without a work permit so we went down we were trying to get a work permit but my grades were so bad how'd it go because i had good grades in san Bernardino, but they judged you by your last your last semester or some, some shit. I hadn't finished a semester yet. So they were judging me by my last semester. And that's where I wasn't going to school. I basically dropped out in 10th grade, but in 11th grade, I, that's when I linked back up with my mom. I got kicked out of my dad's house. I just wasn't going to school. So 11th grade, when I started with my mom, that's when I, my shit got on track. I was on track. You know what I mean? Wanted to work. And they they said, no, I couldn't work. They were like, you, you your grades weren't good enough last, at the end of last semester. So you can't work. And I'm like, well, we need it. Like my mom was like, I can't, you know, I can't pay rent on our own. We lived in, in San Bernardino. My mom had a house all to herself trying to be a single mom. She's like, I need help. And I couldn't sell any more weed. Like she was like, I need, you know, I can help with a little bit with the weed money I was bringing in, but you can't sell more weed like that when you're in high school. It doesn't work. I was trying to buy a moped, but I couldn't get a license to drive around legally. And I knew if I drove around with bricks of weed illegally, I was just going to end up in, incarcerated. And I wasn't a dumb kid. I didn't get busted for a lot of the crimes um, by that point, I'd done a lot of home invasion, things like that, and I never got busted, never got hit with a felony. Um, fuck, man. Good days, good days. So my mom wanted help, and I was trying to get a job. The school told me no. Like, they're like, no. So I, I looked at the lady in the face. I was like, what do you want me to do? Like, start selling dope? Like, if that's what I got to do, I'll start selling dope. I got to make, I got to make money. And she was like, if that's what you got to do. That's what she told me. If that's what you got to do. And it was done. It was. I walked out of that counselor's office. I walked out of the district office. The very same week, the counselor told me I had two extra years. Um, the district's telling me I can't work. I said, I'm, I'm out. I'm out. My mom's freaking out. She don't know what to do. She knows we're about to be homeless. Um, we're living with a guy. He's handicapped from the waist down. He's going through some shit. His health is going down. He had some type of, he's going to claim allergic reaction. I don't know if he was doing dope um, with my mom or what. But he's falling out. I had to pick him up and put him in his chair because he can't keep balance. His nutsack landed in my hand. And I had to, as I was picking him up, you know, to put him in back in his chair, he's butt ass naked. Like, what the fuck, man? Put him in his chair. Then he accused me of stealing $20 out of his wallet while I was doing all this or some shit because I heard it from my mom. Shit just going crazy around the house. He's accusing my mom of doing drugs because she's standing furniture at 2 a.m., which she is doing drugs. So, uh, needless to say, it was over. That, that episode with my mom was over. Um, she definitely came out one day and was like, I need more money. And, and you know, I'm, I'm gonna call the police on you. You know, basically if you don't, I'm calling the police. I have pounds of weed. Um, so I threw, I had three quarter pounds. Actually, I didn't have pounds. of weed. I had three quarter pounds, 
throw that in my backpack. I had bottles of Albertson vodka. I bought a box of vodka by the bulk. So I just had bottles and bottles. I had more fucking vodka than I knew what to do with. I buried some bottles of vodka and my bongs at the time. I buried those in the backyard in a planter. And I took off. I, you know, had my backpack on and I just took off, man. I left. When I came, you know, I, I left my mom's house, man. I didn't know where I was going to go. I wasn't really sure. I was going to Russell's house for sure. But from there, I was like, fuck, I don't know. And as I'm going, man, I'm walking. I walked through all of San Bernardino, man. For those that know, I was on the north end. I walked all of it. I walked all 30-some blocks. I, I mobbed the whole thing all the way down to C-Town. And as I'm walking, I'm real close, man. And as I'm going over a bridge, I see this blue truck pull by. Now, mind you, at this point, the last time I really talked to my dad was when he kicked me out. So it had been maybe a year and a half, two years. Maybe a year. Maybe a year at this point, year and a half. I'm walking, and I see this truck pull over. I'm like, fuck, I got all this weed on me, man. My shit's just reeking. So, And it's, it's dirt weed, so it ain't like I got some skunk on me. Not like nowadays, but back then it was like, man, this shit, you know, it's weed. So as I'm walking up to his truck, I see he pulls over. So I throw my backpack in the bed of his truck, and I get in. He's like, what's up, man? I was like, what's up, Dad? Like, where are you going? I'm going to my boy Russell's house, so he's driving me over. I don't want him to know where Russell lives just because, like I said, it's so hood. Um, when my mom took me there, my mom pulled up. And now my mom, she she's a, she's an addict herself, right? So there's a meth lab in the back. As we pull up, Big Russ is outside, Um her, the dad, the dude that runs the meth lab in the back, and she's like, wait, wait, you know him? I think I waved to him, like, oh, that's my guy. She's like, you know him? I was like, yeah, I know him. That's that's my boy Russ's dad. She's like, oh, hell no, like, I ain't even dropping you off here. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, drop me off, pull the hell over, like, I'm already, we're already here. She's like, no way. Like, I knew she had a run-in with his dad. She knew who his dad was. His dad was uh, always in and out of prison, Um, definitely Big Russ. He was, he was the dude over there, definitely running the game when it came to the meth, so... Um, man, that shit, there was a lot of, we, we got a lot of, uh, got a lot of involvement in the gangs around that time, just even in San Bernardino and not as far as I was personally involved, but I was selling so much weed that I was selling weed to a lot of the gangs and started riding around with a lot of them. Uh, a lot of the Asian gangs, there was a lot of the Asian cats are no joke, man. We got guns by the crate. So like I was saying, I had vodka by the crate. We had guns, nines that came in the boxes still. Uh, that's beautiful days, beautiful days. That's what and the Hawaiian gardens, the people that know, you know, you know, the gardens, y'all already know. Um, fuck man. Those days were, I don't know how I survived. And like I said, I planned to die. I really planned on dying during those days. We were doing the stupidest shit. We were breaking into the, the beer warehouses. We're doing the biggest robberies, you know, we're robbing it to us. They were big, but we we're literally robbing people for nothing. Um, I did get robbed in those days. So I de- definitely had my first robbery on my side but i was just society's failure there's no bigger view of a failure y'all want to talk about you know just being a failure i mean that was me so it got to the point where i eventually ran away my dad dropped me off on some corner i walked over you know to to russ's house adam dropped me off in the nicer neighborhood and then i got out of the car i was like all right dad he's like where are you going i was like i'm walking actually out of this neighborhood i gotta go to the other neighborhood my dad knew what was up he was like this motherfucker but I had to walk out of the nice neighborhood and go walk to, you know, the ghetto neighborhood where I was going, but I wasn't going to let them drop me off over there. I was always on some other shit. Man, I was, it was a shame, man. So that's why when it talks about judgment, um, I'm sure I didn't have me, him drop me off in the hood where I was going just due to the judgment that my dad would have on me. I knew he knew that I was a failure already. 
I knew my dad knew what path I was going down. He saw it already. My dad was a wise man, is a wise man, and he, you know, I see it, man. He knows it before shit happens. He used to call one of our neighbors Twinkle Toes, and he ended up kissing another guy in seventh grade because he was curious. He ended up having a Star Wars wedding so with a woman, so I don't know if he's gay or not, but my dad was definitely on to something at an early age, so my dad's always been a little street smart. He did his time. Um, That's when it all hit the fan, man. I went to went to my... My boy's house and just figured out where I was going next, and that's when it happened. I was going to Las Vegas. So society's reject. That's that's what it was. I moved to Las Vegas, moved in with my sister, who I didn't know at the time, just my older sister that was married to an African-American gentleman. Um, I didn't know at the time she was going through a divorce, so she needed help paying bills. Got an apartment. Um, I went up there. I got a job at Albertsons first. I was making five fifteen an hour minimum wage. It was ass. Didn't pay shit. $75 a week type thing. But I also got a second job at a steakhouse where I worked at nights, you know, just mostly at night. It would be 12 or later, but I didn't typically work the mornings unless they really needed me. I always showed up if they called me. I'll be there. Um, even when the building caught on fire, I showed up. I was the first person there in the morning when the clean shit for the fire department to get us back, you know, back up and running. But either way, I was working two jobs, you know, helping my sister with rent and we were doing that route. And, uh, my sister, she was a car dealer at the casinos, made plenty of money, but at the same time, she definitely had some drug habits of her own. And she would go out all the time, every night and bring back a different guy. Um, at this point, her son was five or six. He had to be about kindergarten or six years old. He was old enough to play video games, but barely. So I'd go over to the video game place and always bring home video games and play with him. We played a lot of video games, man. I love that little guy. Um, he's not no little guy anymore. But Vegas was it was it was crazy, man. And I, I watched my sister bring guys in and out of that house. I had to sleep in that house. You know, it was a, it was a big life changing experience. We're just listening to people just slam my sister, man. It was sex every night, and you know, I come to find out, I believe through. One of the guys she ended up actually dating, he told me that he was her pimp and she was actually a hoe in the whole time. So um, I ended up l- linking up with him and we used to just, there was a lot of guys I met through her, man. I would just roll to the music studios with them. I was in hip hop studios, places I shouldn't be. I was slinging uh, ecstasy to Jadakiss at concerts, not directly to him, but I was going with the people and we were slinging ecstasy. I mean, it was on, I learned some shit, man. That's all I can say on that one. Um, Linked up with the pimping game was what happened. So I started meeting, you know, pimps and doing that. And as I'm I'm working, I'm getting some legal money. And at the same time, I started learning about the ecstasy game. And now I got people in California. We, we got people in Stockton that are selling ecstasy by the boats. You know, we, we could go pick up 100 pills for 5 to $7 a piece, depending on what stack and what pill you want. And we go back to Vegas. They sell $20 a piece. So we start transporting. We're moving some large amounts of narcotics. We're selling weed. We're selling cocaine. We're selling, I mean, we're, we're selling now. And, uh, eventually my sister, she's catching on. So now I got a fake ID. You know, I'm living a second life now at this point, she knows about my job and she starts catching on. I got a girl at the time, like a little, a little lady over there. My boy was always trying to get me to pimp her out, but she was just a good girl. Um, I didn't have girlfriends my whole life up until this point. I never had a girlfriend. I've never, I've never seeked that. Um, I've had sex Multiple times at this point, it was just never with a girlfriend. Uh, my first time having sex was way back seventh grade-ish. Um, I'm not sure if I started seventh grade yet, but it was somewhere right around that point. Um, it was either, it might have been summer school, seventh grade, or somewhere right around there. 
So at this point, I'm already 15, 16. I already been, you know, having sex a couple years now. So there's there's girls in the picture, and uh, my sister was tripping. I remember because she was like, "Where are you going?" I'm like, "I'm riding out with this girl." She said, "Well, I want to meet her." I'm like, "You're not my mom." I'm like, "What the fuck is going on?" She's like, "We, you know, we're living together. You're not my mom in any way, shape, or form." She's like, "No, I don't want. What's going on? There's more shit going on." And I'm just like, "What the fuck?" Like, "No, hell, like you ain't my mom. You know what I mean? Like, we're we're, we're on some equal shit here. We're." paying rents and doing this but no she wasn't having it and uh just one day i watched her and the pimp get into it i call him the pimp and then big cuz big big cuz that's what's tatted on his forearm so we just call him that's big cuz man big cuz and my sister got into it one day um my sister she uh was just going off and he's wanted by the fbi out of louisiana for his cocaine thing he has a family actually actually but he was out of the house, and the FBI, the feds hit his house. He ended up telling me this later on when we're sitting in this crack house that we're running and just going through things. But he had his own little situation at home that he had going on, and uh, the FBI came and hit his house. His his wife and his kids were there, but uh, he ended up getting word, and he never went home. He ended up taking off. That's how he ended up out in Vegas. So he actually ended up leaving his family and kids there. And I knew this because he would actually send money to them through Western Union and he would actually communicate through mail, just through mail. He would never call over there. He, he was too scared to call. He put me on a lot of game when it came to using pay phones back when they existed. He never used house phone. He did not believe in cell phones for business. If you had a cell phone, that was for like your personal life. But if you want to make a business call, you only use pay phones. We we're constantly... Where we live, we live next to a Target. We walk over there at a payphone, so we constantly use the payphones. Um, he was always paranoid. He put me on game by speakerphone. I, I did a weed transaction on speakerphone one time because I didn't give a shit. I'm just like, shit, if anything, motherfuckers going to know I sell weed. He's like, hell no, you're going to attract the wrong way. Just the price that he was paying, he knew it was a life sentence if he ever got caught. So he was not willing to play those risks. Where me, I'm just trying to pay my bill, man. Ain't nobody, little dude, fuck with me for selling some weed. Like, whatever. Ain't no cop fuck with me. But I might find a client. You know, I might find a customer. So he put me on a lot of, you know, he cast his own judgment on me. But he definitely shaped me. Um, In this point, I'm still viewed as a failure. Even in my eyes, in society's eyes, I'm fucking with the pimps now. You know what I mean? Fucking with the pimps, the crackheads. We're doing some shit. So my sister's going off, man, one day on him. And she's just, I mean, to the point, I, I've never been put in a situation like this, but she's just calling him the N-word, just going off, man. You, you, this, this, that, calling him every word in there. I, I wish you would hit me, hit me, motherfucker, da, 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 just going off, right? And I'm like, what the fuck? And he's like, dog, help me. Like, he's like, get your sister, please, just let me go. He's just trying to leave. And she's like, you ain't fucking going nowhere. Da, da, da. You can't have your shit until you pay me the money you owe me. Blah, blah, blah. Going off on this power trip, right? And I'm like, oh, this is some bullshit. Like I said, she was always trying to see my girl. Like, she was on some weird power trip, but she was on her own shit. So, um, shit's hitting the fan, man. I just remember him like, dude, please get your sister. I'm like, I'm chilling, man. I was just sitting on the couch playing NBA. I remember I was playing Xbox NBA, and it's just going down. It's fucking going down, man. They're going at it. I ain't trying to get involved. I'm just sitting there, man. They're going back and forth and not even back and forth. He just wants to leave. She's blocking the door, just cussing him out like, fuck you, fuck you, N-word, fuck you, da-da-da-da-da. And uh, just like, I wish you would hit me, blah, blah, blah. But eventually she got in his face and she spit a loogie in it. Boom. And at that point, I saw him grab her by her neck and he threw her down on the bed and he cocked back. Bam, he slapped her. 
And she's like, oh, like she's like, help, like trying to tell me for help. This point, I turned my shit off. I went in my bedroom. I start packing up my shit. Like, that's it, right? I start packing my shit right there. Start packing because I already know if I'm not going to help her, this fool big as fuck. Before I, this motherfucker's like six, seven. He's got his gold teeth, diamonds on it. This motherfucker's huge. For those that know, I'm like 5'10", 5'9". Like, this fool's got a foot on me. He's fucking huge. He's the reason he's big cuss. Um, yeah, I probably couldn't have taken him if I wanted to. But then again, later in life, I, I could have taken him. I definitely, uh, we, we went through some fighting experiences where I know my shit top notch. Um, and his shit, uh, a lot of size. Let me put it that way. Um, I, I, I'm comfortable fighting. I've been in martial arts since I was five years old. So I've been through tournaments. You know what I mean? I took my losses. I definitely got some tournament wins, but I definitely got my tournament losses as well. I know what those are. Standing in front of hundreds of people as you fucking get caught on some bullshit points when you're like, no, I fucking beat his ass. Like, you got less points. I'm like, fuck you. Oh, man. So I packed my shit, man. He gets he gets some of his shit. I get my shit, and we left together. We were both out that house, man. Police showed up. We were gone. So now him and I are out, and we got to figure out what the fuck do we do. We don't have enough money to start, like, from scratch. So this is where the homie Fats comes in. Fats, Fats is a, to me, he's a living fucking legend. So. I'm I'm a youngster. I don't have much. Like I said, I'm working my two jobs. I don't have shit. I don't even have a car. You know, I'm banging this little bad Asian chick that's a model for Apple Bottoms at the time. Apple Bottom jeans with the boots. Yeah, for that one. So at that same time era, pretty much. So she has a 5.0 Mustang. I fucking loved her car. Um, But I can't live with her. She's living with her parents. Like, you know, she do. So we're like, fuck, what are we going to do? And I'm going to ask Fats, you know, see if we can set up shop for him. I'm like, all right. So Fats is a guy. He's been around a little bit. Um, I, I've seen him, you know, because he's been, he's been at the house a couple times. And he's he's the super pimp. I mean, when I say pimps of pimps, he's the pimping of pimping. I went to a job one time, and he he ran a bank. When I say ran, ran a bank, we walked into the bank. There's a bank, and there's an elevator. Me and Big Cuz, we went to the elevator, hit the elevator button, went up, and basically the whole top floor was Fats' office. This motherfucker was running. That's what I mean. It's his fucking bank. So I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, this big dog, right? But he also owned the Hummer H2 when it first came out. Was it H2? H2, the big body one. He had it on 26s before anybody. He had the the, the Mercedes SL on 20, 20s, and he was he was stunting. I mean, he was he was he was successful, the definition of success, right? Um, when it comes to illegally. So we go, I remember seeing the bank and one day I got to go to his house and that's when everything's hitting the fan. So we ain't got nowhere to go. So we, we go to Fats's house. He actually picks us up because we, we had nowhere to go. So we went to the bank. That's what we went to his job, which was a bank. We took the city bus over to his bank, walked in, boom, from there, life changed, man. Went went met Fats, you know, really saw what he was about. And that's when he was like, you down, man, you can really with it. I was like, I'm with it, man, whatever you got to do. So at this point, I'm the trigger guy. Um, I'm, 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 I have my purpose. Uh, these guys, I'm with the thugs, but I'm, I'm the little white guy. So I don't ride with them so much. I typically ride by myself. I carry a lot of the guns or the weight and I take a lot of city buses. Um, I do a lot of discreet shit riding, you know, bicycles and things. And I I move a lot of weight for them. Um, I'm also the trigger guy when they got to get a gun into somewhere. I, I get the gun in, um, I go by myself, you know, me and some girls, they'll send me in with five, six girls. Um, and I'm just carrying, you know, the only one with the gun or me and the girls, we all got the weight. And once we get in, we all link up inside and distribute. So I was definitely a pawn on their chessboard. Um, 
I don't know, you know, when I think of judgment and the way that they view me, I felt like Chuck loved me, man. I, I felt like it was always love between us, but at the same time, I understand he was a pimp. So I was probably getting pimped just on the male level. But I love him, man. I, I, big cuz, man, I love you. My heart goes out to you. I believe you're doing life in prison right now. I need to find you. I need to, you know, I, I should go visit you, even if you are that close to me, man. There's nothing, um, just days, man, just days. But as I said, I was always viewed as a failure still at this point. So when people laugh at you, folks, just remember what it is, man. Just remember what it is. So Fats, we end up going back to his house that day. And he's talking to us. He's like, look, man, I'll set you guys up. Um, we'll go back. I'll give you, give you like, I think we got like, a, I don't remember how much we got. We got more than a ball, but I, I don't remember. Maybe we got a, don't think we got a half ounce of cocaine, but we got a good amount of cocaine from them. And while we were there, I saw his pit bulls and I watched four different girls. They all had their own car. They all had their own car. They all had their own room and they were all coming in, you know, and they were just going upstairs saying hi, whatever they come down, introduce themselves. He was like, y'all can have some if you want to. I was like, no, I'm, I'm cool. Like, I was still learning, you know, I, I don't got my eye on the prize, and it's not that. Like, I'm, we're homeless, you know what I mean? I, I, got, I got other shit. But I just remember the amount of purple weed he had, just jars and jars of weed and just the cocaine and just the, he had hoes, you know, and just the cars and the dogs and the blue nose pits, and it was just, it was everything. It was everything that the rap videos, you know, were all about. It was everything. It was success. It was my... It was a dream come true for me. It was somewhere that I was like, man, that's a dream place that you, if you could ever be in one, you know, and uh, he set us up. He gave us the first real advance for us to get a spot and we bought a hotel and that's where I learned you just leave the, the door open. So you want to talk about judgment? Um, I'm little, man. I'm like at this point, I'm 15, 16 years old. Long hair, can't grow any facial hair. I have an ID saying differently. You should have saw... The judgment I got when I went into the casinos and I give them that ID, man, I couldn't grow a wick of fucking facial hair, man. But these guys, they would laugh. They know, you know, and they're like, have fun, man. So we're playing crap. So I'm with all the gangsters, too. I'm just the only little white guy. I'm with like 20, 30 just gangster to the core motherfuckers, right? And we're all playing craps and I'm just the one little white guy. I had to be so fucking out of place. But judgment man I, I didn't give a fuck i knew ain't nobody saying a damn word to me like i'm with the squad the squad that i was with people didn't fuck with so it was a it was a it was an interesting scenario to be there to say the least however amongst this time so we are we're getting fronted so he's got us our place we keep the door open that's a sign that we're there so the door will be open and the crackheads man they just come to the door and they would see me. It was the weirdest thing because they, they hit the door. They're expecting to see a drug dealer. And I'll be sitting there by myself a lot of the times because uh, especially once my buddy got the spot set up and taught me how to run it, I ran mine and he set his own up. So we had two going. It's just more profitable, different locations. Um, and they'd just walk up. they see the door open, come around. They would see me a lot of times just turn around. Hey, yo, like, what do you need, man? And I'd be like, what? Like, it was weird, you know, because they don't, I'm too young to be a real cop, but at the same time, I'm just a little white guy. And they're like, this shit ain't, this, something ain't right. You know, so a lot of times I went sad, like, I'm good, man. I'm going to go downstairs, fuck with this dude. But I did get a lot of business. I, I learned, I didn't know that you could sell dope that easy. Just leave the door open. They'll come to you. So that's literally how that shit worked. Um, I had a lot of ladies come up with their baby, with the baby, man. I'll never forget the lady walked up, baby loaded. So before I get to that part, because there's reasons, um, 
So now I've got cookies of, of crack. And I don't know if anybody, if you never cook crack, they come in the bottom of the jar that you cook them in and they form a cookie shape. And that's why they're called cookies. The outside of the cookie was what everybody likes. That's where most of the chemicals go, I believe. The dope has always wanted the outside of the cookie. And then you have the inside of the cookie, which is more, I think, where the baking soda resides. They're a little more of the cut, I think they would call it. So you have the outside of the cookie, inside of the cookie. But I have cookies in the fridge. So I have plenty of dope in there. But I have zero money. And like I said, this dude that's fronting me, uh, Fats, we don't fuck with him. Like, he's, he's a murderer. We already very well-known, you know, murderer is going to go down and... uh you don't, you don't not pay him when you're due. So I, I know I got my priorities. But with that being said, I got a bunch of dope now. I got a bunch of dope. And I don't have a dollar in my name. Not a single dollar. So I've got crack like a motherfucker. And I've got some money on it. But I, I can't spend. That's not my money. So I have zero money. Um, I know the dude just provided for me when I had nothing. Um, so I'm not, I'm not dipping that far. You know what I mean? So we're going now. And I'm... Uh, I'm on the third day, man. I remember just not eating and I just don't have any money to eat. And I'm just trying to get his money up. It was fear. You know, I definitely, I was, I was fearful of him because I knew that if I didn't provide, I was dead. I have nobody to call, nobody to turn to. I didn't own a firearm at that point when I was running the crack house, which is crazy because I definitely, that's probably the time I should have owned it most. Um, For a lot of it, I didn't own one. I didn't have one at the property because a lot of them were murder weapons and I did not need a murder weapon in the house with the body already on it. Um, I felt confidence in my ability to stand up. I'm sure I had like some physical weapons, but if somebody would have come in with a gun, I definitely would have been outmatched. But like I said, I was, I was there without, and it was just, it was, it was, it was going, but I remember going three days without eating, man. And it was like, that's why I say I'm completely disconnected. I don't have parents to call. There's nobody for me to call and say, hey, this is where I'm at. I don't have a cell phone um, at that point. There's no, I never had parents. I never had a parent pay my cell phone bill. So I never had a constant means of communication. So when I went out there, like I lost contact of all my family. I would call my parents. I remember hearing the joy in my parents' voices when I would call from a payphone, I would always call from a payphone too, because you know that's what I was on. But they had caller ID on the house phone. I remember my dad always like, "You're on a payphone." Like, yeah. But they would be so happy just to hear, you know. And I would call maybe once a year or so and just talk to my parents, and it was nice. But um, I do remember the joy that they would have, and just I was always I always felt like such a failure, you know, to them, especially to my dad, because he provided everything he could. He went through a lot at that time. He lost his company completely. He actually ended up getting his only other job. He became an armored car driver, which is where he worked until he retired. So he really only had two jobs in his whole life. Props to that man. Um, but I was always just felt like a failure. I was ashamed to call them. You know, I didn't have anything good to report. When they asked me what I was doing, I couldn't even tell them. I'm, I'm just alive. So there were just points where I would reach out to them. Um, I'm not sure what motivated me to do that. Really not, but, you know, I was a registered runaway, so I couldn't even speak to them. Um, I couldn't tell them where I was. I couldn't be on the phone for too long because I was always scared that they were going to track the call. But I did speak with my parents occasionally while I was out there. Um, It all, it all, you know, my judgment out there, I'll just say I was I was a piece of shit. I'm more of a piece of shit than I've ever been, and that's that's saying a lot because I was definitely a piece of shit, but the hunger one I was going with. So that's why I started like snatching purses. It got so low and I was so hungry. So I don't know if I just had, that's what I'm saying. Even if I had the money, I'm sure I would have spent it. So I think fats must've came by. 
I must have paid him or I must have just paid the rent or whatever it was, but I had no ability to get food, man. I remember the third day, just like, I need some fucking food, whether the crack wasn't selling or whether I just had enough and I was trying to pay rent and I couldn't fucking get it because then I wouldn't have a place. That's what led me to just start taking it to the extreme when I started snatching purses and stuff. And it was like, we did a lot of robberies previous and prior to that, but I pretty much like we robbed transvestites. I robbed a lot of, um, drug dealers. Uh, I robbed a lot of people that I felt could afford it, I guess, or, or wouldn't call the police, you know, more of a people I didn't, I, I devalued. We'll put it that way. People that I valued less. But once I remember hitting that third day of hunger, that's when I went and I snatched my first purse from just an old lady walking down the strip. And it's like, man, I saw it and it was like, I got to eat. So I just started snatching shit, man. I will start snatching. I'll break your window, walking by your car to break a window and grab shit. I was that, that was that guy. Like I was literally as low as it fucking gets. I was a piece of shit of society. So I've been there, man. It doesn't get any lower. You know, you're jacking old women. Like it, it I'm literally the definition of a piece of shit. So when it comes to that, I, I've been, I don't think it gets much lower. You know, I've definitely, uh, I, I pulled the gun out on everybody when it came to that type of stuff. When we go out and my boy, give me a call. Hey man, I'm out here eating. And there's this dude, he has a gang of jewelry. He has a Hells, he has a Harley Davidson shirt on. Da, da, da. He's going to be coming out. And dude, he's going out to the nicest fucking Harley Davidson edition truck and shit. And boom, I just catch him. You know what I mean? It's like we're just setting up the craziest robberies. Um, I had a job at the steakhouse, for example. Ended up robbing one of the cooks there. Um, we actually had a stolen credit card that we planned on purchasing a bunch of TVs with. And then when the person went to pick up the TVs, that fell off. But we had a buyer lined up for the TVs. So we just went ahead with the 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 sale. But we didn't have the TVs to sell. So we ended up robbing them. And it, I had to quit that job. And it was, you know, because I, I always had that. I tried to keep that legal money as long as I could. But it was just like, man, you had to burn bridges just to get, a, you know, that was that was over $1,000 a lick right there. So. We just began a lot of robbing, man, a lot of robbing. And that's why I say, like, I was literally, I am the piece of shit of society. I'm the problem. I've been there. When I see the people on, I'm like, I, I get it, man. I, I get it. <laughs> I get it. So this is where it all happens. This is where I got busted. You know, I'm walking across. I'm just walking over to the Wild Wild West Casino. I got a 50 order um, to a trucker that I know. I'm walking over, and that's where I see the cop car just parked right there. I'm like, motherfucker. So. I knew it, man. It was, it was over. It was over. I saw the canine. I saw all that shit, man. And once they called me, I was like, motherfucker, right? So they put me in the squad car, and the cop talks to me, and he's like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like, it's straight cop, man. He put me in the back of the car. He says, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, man, here's my story. And I just laid it out to him. Like, I can't be at home. I can't live with nobody because he's like, you're a registered runaway. Like, you know, what? what what's going on? And I explain it to him. He's like, check it out, man. Check it out. And I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. He didn't find the dope in my sock. He searched the shit out of me. He didn't find the dope in my sock. I have $50 worth of crack in my sock. And he's like, look, man, we about to go, you know, we're about to go down to the jail, da, 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 da. Or he's like, we can call your sister and you can leave the state. And so he called my sister. My sister's like, she, I just remember them talking. And he's uh, your sister is going to come get you right now. And you're going straight to California. He said, you do not come back here until you're 18. I said, yes, sir. You let me go. I won't come back here until I'm 18. And he let me go to my sister. He let me go. I definitely should have been going, you know, 
to jail that day and definitely been incarcerated. But after talking with him and he, he was a very understanding officer, I just gave him the honest truth and this is what I got. And uh, they brought me back to California. I got busted. I got expedited. And I was back to zero. Literally, I left everything. That hotel room was full of crack in the fucking fridge. There's, I, I had speak. I had my system. I had all types of shit there, man. I had my Xbox. I had so much valuables inside of there. Now, luckily, I'm uh, my boy actually got it. He, he got back into the room, and he did that. I actually spoke with him later. But I left it all. I left it all. I left. I came back with zero. And I had a new opportunity. So, like I said, the dude that was there, I did get in contact with him just to see, you know, let him know what was up. Like, hey, man, the shit's hot. You know, the police were on me, blah, blah, blah. This happened, da, da, da. He's like, oh, I know exactly who you're talking about. He knew who the undercover cop was and everything. So he was like, all right. He was like, well, just let me know. I'll get you a bus ticket. We get back out here. We'll set up another shop. We'll start going. I'm like, I'm not going to do it, man. He's like, nah. I was like, nah, dude, I'm, I'm going to take this opportunity. He was like, all right, man. You, you got, he's like, you know, if you ever need, you know, he's like, you got the number today. He's like, but I don't have a number for him. So he's like, that's your decision. I like, that's my decision, man. He's like, all right, dude, later. I'm like, later, man. So that was my decision. Um, I decided not to go back. I gave my word to that cop, man. That had a lot to do with it. Um, I, I, I gave him my word. He let me go. And I told him I wouldn't be back. So it's hard. You know, it was hard for me to know my boys out there. That's my teammate, which we're hustling together. But at the same time, I, I got let loose and this, I gave this dude my word. So <laughs> judgment, you want to talk about judgment. I got to judge myself on that one. Cause like I said, he's a, uh, he put me in a lot of good situations, man. Um, we definitely did a lot. He, he, he gave me a place when I had no place. Uh, fats, I owe him my life. He definitely got me there, you know, and got me on my feet and gave me the opportunity to produce for him. Um, I'm sure that I left with a debt that I didn't quite repay him. I know that Big Cuz, or the story goes, Big Cuz ended up running up quite a debt, and um, he got caught at a bus station by Fats, and Fats put, you know, put some work in on him. So that's a... He just beat his ass really bad, I guess, is how that one went from what I was told. But last I heard, um, Big Cuz ended up marking, uh, killing the girl that used to give us our identification. So he's doing life in prison now. That's definitely something I could have prevented when it came to doing those types of dirty things. Um, I was I was definitely more of the brains when it came to that. He was, he was good at covering his tracks. He was really good at that. But when it came to... Uh, planning out a robbery, planning out something like that. That, that That's where I've always prevailed. Um, I've always been pretty good at that type of stuff. I can set things up and kind of understand what might happen. I, I, I look at things the worst, worst case scenario. Every time, if you do something, I always assume the worst. And if it ends up better, oh, I'm so thankful. I think that's why I'm always thankful. Like, uh, for example, my, my newest uh, baby mama, she spent the night somewhere the other night. She told me, oh, I'll be, I'll be right back. Gave me a kiss and took off and didn't show up. Came back the next day, just fucking shit face. It just eyes bloodshot as fuck, hung over as fuck. Just like, hey, and it's like, this bitch, you know, in my mind, I don't give a fuck what the fuck happened. But I'm going to tell you right now, when I went to sleep that night, this bitch getting smashed. You know what I mean? Somebody smashing this bitch. Cause I just always assume the worst. If somebody isn't, whatever. Either way, you fucked me over. So that's just the way that I I always look at things the worst. And 
if they end up better, oh, that's I think why I'm so thankful all the time. I always expect to wake up and not have the ability to move my toes. You know, R.I.P. Homer, man, that was my guy. R.I.P. Uh, Kenny Baker, the mongoose, too, you know, and just all these guys. I, mean, I grew up around so many handicapped people that I always expect to, you know, anytime I fall, I'm like, oh, shit, I'm going to be paralyzed. Hey, I woke up. Fuck. I'm bleeding all over, but I, I, I got up, you know, so I've always been a, a very thankful person. So back to judgment, man. At this point, you know, I, I don't know. Society has to judge me as a failure because I'm uh, 17 and I've got nothing. I've got no education. I'm a retired crack crack runner house, crack house runner, crack pusher. You know what I mean? I'm a retired crack pusher. Uh, just got done living with pimps. You know what I mean? Oh, man, the girl out there, I felt so bad. I talked with her one or two times after that, and she would always want me to go back. Man, I just wish her the best. I hope I hope she found somebody to really take care of her because I was a piece of shit, and she was fucking with me. So I'm sure, you know, I'm sure she didn't find much better judging by what my baby mamas do, but I do hope the best. So hopefully she went on and did better things. Oh, man, she she was a beautiful little Asian girl, man. I, I, just an amazing person, so innocent. Uh, she must have had... I, she must have had just parents that just sheltered her. It was always, I knew I could have hoed her out too. I knew she would do it for me. She was head over heels for me, but it was like, I didn't do that. Um, I definitely did do a lot of, you know, threesome type thing, foursome, five. So I bring all my homies over for a lot of the girls that I fuck with. Like I'd never had that type of value when it comes to, uh, sex in general. Um, when it comes to judgment, like judgment I and mean, Some people be like, you're supposed to have one partner and all that shit. When it comes to monogamy, I think that's more of a control mechanism. Um, Just sex in in particular. I always looked at it more as a sport. Like, I just want to first, can I get there? Can I get the ability to do it? That's the first challenge. Will she even let me? Two, once you reach the top of that mountain, you know, you want to have the thrill of the experience. And then after that, it was just like, I don't climb the same mountain twice type of thing. I guess like. If I hike that trail already, I'm going to go ahead and hike another trail and see where this one goes. It's like I've been there. So it was weird to me. I never really wanted to have sex with the same person multiple times. I was more of like a little hood rat, I guess. Um, I don't know if that comes from when my, as a youngster, I remember when my dad left, or when my mom left, my dad ended up seeing a lot of women, a lot of younger women. He ended up taking a lot of like those uh, sex pills and stuff. I remember it was like, he, he did it openly. There was a lot of, Women coming in and out. He had the pills in the medicine cabinet. Like, he would go out and party. Uh, he would go to the club with his buddy with his buddy uh, Clarence, and they would just go out and pick up women. He actually ended up dating the same girl that dated my tattoo artist. Um, just, he dated a lot of young girls. And he was always just different chick, like, all the time. He was rotating them, and like, just rotating girls, literally. But he never cheated on my mom when she was there. So it was, like, weird, but I saw that. I'm sure that has something to do with it. However, when I was a youngster in fourth, fifth grade, when I was in fifth grade, I got like my first girlfriend on a um, uh, recess. So it was recess and somebody comes up, hey, this girl likes you. I'm like, all right, cool. What's up? So, you know, got my girlfriend for a recess. And then my best friend, Danny at the time, he, I guess he told me, hey, man, like I like her. Like that, Congratulations. Like I like her. Like, oh, you like her? Like, oh, cool. I'll go break it off right now. So I went and broke it off before recess even ended. And I was like, look, I'm going to break up with you just because that motherfucker likes you right there. And like, that's my, that's my boy. So by the end of the day, he was dating her. So I've always kind of been that way. Um, I, I don't really value. I'm not a materialistic person. I don't need possessions. I don't need anything. 
Like I've always been kind of cool with without like whatever. And so I think that was before even my dad did it. So I don't know where that really falls into play. But especially with the girl thing, I've I've always, you know, I could smash a girl. You could go out, have fun, do whatever you want, go out. And then when you're done going out and having your your night or whatever, you can call me and I'll come over. We can cuddle. I, I cuddle ratchets. So that was always my thing. Like, I don't give a damn. We don't even have to have sex. I had a lot of girls um, when I'm single. I have, I have a lot of girls call me at, you know, 2 a.m., 2.30 be like, hey, just come over. I'll be like, all right, cool. Go over, you know what I mean? We'll have a bite to eat or something. And they're all drunk and shit, and they just end up passing out. They just wanted to cuddle and pass out. And it's like, cool, pass out. Like, I didn't trip. I was sit scrolling on my phone. Your ass pass out. I, I cuddle. I be cuddling ratchets all the time. Like, it was just like my thing. I remember a lot of people laughed at me for that type of shit, but it's like, I, I, don't, I don't give a fuck. I'd rather do that than sleep alone, you know? And sometimes I have two girls call. I'm like, hey, look, another girl just called me. Um, I don't know what you're doing, but you can come over here with me. And sometimes they do. I've been in some amazing situations. Um, definitely been one. I've been in a foursome and I was the only guy I've been in a foursome and there was only one girl, you know, it's like, I've been in all those worlds. Uh, definitely if I had to count them as far as judgment, that's why I don't really worry about judgment. I, I tried to do like a rough estimate the other day. I was somewhere up towards 70. I'd say I probably had 70 partners, more than 50, but under under a hundred, I would say. I don't think I hit the hundred mark. That's that's a, that's a lot, but um, definitely been a, sexually active. So when it comes to monogamy, all that shit, I don't give a fuck what people think about me. I was just always in it for the thrill, for the adventure, for the chase to see if I can get it. Um, many nights I, I remember, right before I black out, just telling my boys like I'm gonna I'm gonna end up amongst the stars, and I'm just gonna I start with the hottest chick. I find the hottest chick in the bar. I go there. I try talking to her. I'll work my way down. Somebody along there is probably going to say yes. But if I go nose all the way through, I sit back, have two or three rounds, start again. Where's the hottest one? We're going to go back over there. Hopefully she had two or three rounds too. We're going to try again. Different approach. You know what I mean? It's, it's always, I'm a dog. That's why when it comes to the, the judgment part, I don't give a damn when people laugh at all my boys and laugh at me. Hey, dog, you're going back. I'm like, fuck, man. Y'all going home alone? You know what I mean? Like, fuck that shit. Um, at the same time, I've took down some uglies and my boys be like, damn, for what the fuck you doing? I'm like, dog, you going home alone. You know what I mean? Like I'm just in it for the thrill, just for the thrill. You know what I mean? So I've always viewed that type of stuff a little differently, but we'll get back to the judgment part just cause y'all can judge me by that shit. Um, I really started getting my life together, man. Chuck got imprisoned. Um, but I did end up, you know, getting a full-time job and I actually got my first real girlfriend. She became the mother of my son. So my first baby mama. Um, and that's when, you know, life started really clicking, man. Life started really clicking. I was going and started living a better life, started really started going to church a little bit. So that was kind of cool, you know, and just, I, I turned it around. That's why I tell you change is possible. I was at the lowest fucking point ever, man, the lowest point. And I could have gone back to it, but I knew where I was and I was able to turn it around. And I, I ended up, you know, getting a girl, uh, a girlfriend, but at the same time, I still had that Las Vegas in me. I had a female overload. I remember when she she got into my Facebook or my MySpace one day and found like over 20. She had a count. It was like 27 girls that I had slept with, but never answered them back. So it was like a one-time thing. I remember there was one girl that she hated because I had slept with, and I continued talking to her, one out of 27. So, I mean, 26 of them, I didn't even, they would message me like, hey, you piece of shit. Like, why don't you answer my messages anymore? I knew you just wanted sex. Da, 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 da. I would be that guy, you know? So it was definitely a dog, and I definitely had some bad judgment on me. Um, 
bad karma too. I was the type of youngster I'd go out, I'd meet a girl, take her over. We're going to have sex. We're going to pull up to a gas station because I'm fucking in L.A. somewhere and I got to get back to San Bernardino and she lives in fucking Long Beach. Uh, here, here's 20 bucks. Go put it on the gas pump for me. Yeah, I got to. I'm going to wash my windshield, and as she pops out to go into the place, I'll fucking take off. Like, I was that piece of shit. Like, I'm telling you, low is a low is a low. Y'all want somebody to hate on, I'm the motherfucker, I'm telling you. But with that being said, there was a there was a change, folks. There was a change present, and I came back. I made the decision that I didn't want to go back to that life. I didn't want to sell drugs no more. I took that $50 a crack, and I put it on the floor, and I actually let – that girlfriend of mine, time later, she actually was able to stomp it out. I did cook crack for my homie after that. You know, I had a homie that was like, I want to try crack. And I was like, if you ever got some cocaine, let me know. I'll cook it for you, man. At least we know it's pure. So I did have like a homie show up. I did cook him crack after that. You know, it's just some little things like fucking around, but never sold crack. Ugh, hiccup. Never sold crack or anything like that after that. So at that point, my life's going good. You know, I got, got a lady. She's getting me and, uh, team impact so we're going to church we're doing that type of shit and she got pregnant um and she got pregnant we didn't expect it and it was uh so she had gotten pregnant in the past and this is part of judgment is something i don't talk about but she had gotten pregnant early on i don't even know what age we were and she had an abortion this was a decision we made together um and we went, and she had an abortion. I went with her to the clinic. I went in there with her. I'll never forget when holding her hand when she walked into the back, and I'll never forget the look that she had on her face when she came forward. There was a complete blankness and emptiness. Um, it is the reason why she is today who she is, and I should never forgive myself for that. I know that I killed a child. I know that I should have had a baby, and I know that I'm a piece of shit beyond piece of shit's that is a true piece of shit for that. That is why I stand strongly against abortion. I wish that it wasn't an option. Um, we were too young and didn't know better. That child deserved an opportunity to live. We cost him that opportunity to live. That's fair enough to cost me my opportunity to live. If somebody killed me over that, I would completely respect it. Um, because it was our decision to murder a baby at that point. Now we're told as Americans that it's okay and this, this and that. But as you truly educate yourself and you, oh, man, once I had a kid, I fucking knew. I fucking knew. So she had felt that life inside of her. I, I didn't I didn't know anything about it. It was pretty whatever. I'd actually probably taken lives at this point, so it didn't really matter to me. Um, but I do remember her emptiness. I remember, I remember just that look. And I was like, fuck, man. So that was the low of the low. So as time goes on and I'm getting my shit together, um, she became pregnant again and we weren't going through that. We weren't doing that again. Like there's no fucking option. We might do adoption or something like that, but there's no uh, abortion is not the option. Right. So we, um, at this point she, we have our baby and it was the greatest moment of my life. It just changed because I had a purpose and it was very interesting. Um, I'll never forget that, that, time at the hospital she had a very long labor and i put my feet up on the bed and they went numb i, I remember they went dead basically and as i got up because one of the alarms went off and i went to hop up and they were just dead I boom ate shit and like i've never had that feeling that my legs were dead like that but i ate shit boom hit the wall and it was just funny and shit so i ended up having a you know my son and it was the greatest thing ever um i never 
knew the value of having a child. I finally had a purpose in my life, which I hadn't had prior. Um, it was the greatest thing ever. Literally, I spent my 21st birthday at home. Um, I didn't want to go anywhere. You know, I'd lived a Las Vegas life. I had my fake ID. I had more VIP passes to Club Tangerine than I knew what to do. I was literally clubbing out. I mean, I'd party. California's whack as fuck. So even on my 21st, it was nothing I really wanted to do. So I spent it at home, drank some OEs, had some people come over, and I spent it with my son. I got to watch my son. Even when I went out to smoke weed, I went in the backyard, closed the slider, and I just got to look at him. I just remember looking at him on my 21st, like, this is where I want to be. And everybody, you want to go to bar? You want, this is where I want to be, right here with him. And it was that was my whole sole purpose of life. At this time, I guess I'm spending a lot less time with his mom, and I'm spending a lot less attention there. Um, and after women have kids, I believe their hormones change because she definitely changed, man. Prior to having a kid, she never wanted to party. We never partied. We never went out. We never did that type of shit. Maybe she wanted to and just didn't, you know, let it out. Um, but we didn't, we didn't party like that. So we have a kid now and literally my dedication is all him. Like, I don't give a fuck about anything. Literally. I just want to play with him all the time. And she even told me like, you don't even want to lay with me. You just want to lay with him. And it's like, I I love my kids. I love my kids beyond. I owe them, you know, I think I'm trying to make up for the one that I don't have. And I just know, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful for the just the opportunities every day, man, every day. I try not to take advantage of them. Um, and I finally had a purpose in life, you know, and I'm sure at this point I'm viewed as a failure. Just the judgment, judgment of me is I shouldn't have a kid. If you're going to ask society, you know, I, I don't have anything. I'm, I got a job and I'm living at my sister's, you know, that's, that's about it. So, um, this is when life really got me. Cause like I said, I, I was a, you call me a player. I, sleep with a lot of girls. I broke a lot of hearts. I, I sh- broke a lot of fucking hearts. And at that point, I'm not into girls no more. Like I'm not even, I'm not even trying to have sex no more like that. Like I'm just, I know sex is going to equal another kid. I don't want another kid, but it's like, man, I just, I'm so involved in him. Everything is about him. I finally have something to focus on. Somebody that depends on me every second I got, I'm spent on him and I didn't give her any attention and definitely not enough attention for what she desired. So she would start going out with her friends. I had no issue with, hey, you want to go out? Go out. Like, I ain't got no shit. Have fun. Like, I just let me spend time with my son. That's all I ask. You know, just let me. So she started going out with her friends. And I know most of these girls. And they all go out together and stuff. And she comes home. You know, we spend nights together. She called me at 2 a.m. Can you come pick me up? Like, yeah, was, whatever. So life's still going. You know, it's nothing nothing too crazy. Um, But over time, a lot of text messages at night and shit. We're laying together and just the hours and just the way she's acting and things. And I'm like, you're seeing somebody. And I remember telling her like, you're seeing somebody. We're, we're so involved in church. I'm going to church every fucking day. Like when you talk about judgment, I'm in, I'm in front of God with all my clothes off. Like I'm in there crying in church, telling him how I can't stop cheating. And that if God can help me with anything, just help me not cheat. Like that was my biggest thing. I didn't say no to pussy. You know what I mean? I said no to drugs. I never did drugs. I sold a lot of them, but I didn't say no to pussy. So as life has it, um, karma's a bitch. It's coming back on me. So I remember telling my pastor, man, cause he's letting me borrow his van at the time. Um, it wasn't my van. So I was borrowing a van from my pastor. He's letting me use it to get my family back and forth to church. He's helping me out. You know, he's really helping me out. And, uh, 
I'm, I'm there. I'm devoted. I'm there every, I'm training. Um, he was also a training at the gym. So he's my trainer. We're doing MMA in my pasture. It's crazy. It's like a little prison group. We got going on, blah, 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 whatever. So, um, I'm, I'm in it, man. I'm in head over heels with the Lord at this point, you know, and I, it's all family or nothing. So family or nothing doing everything right. I thought, but I knew there was something, man. And I'm, I'm telling them in church and I'm talking with my pastors. I'm going to Bible studies. I'm like, look, man, I don't want to do it no more. Like I'm telling my pastor, I don't want to do it. I don't want to be with her no more. Like I know God wants my family to stay together, but she's cheating on me. And as I tell, like she's cheating on me. I know it. I, I did it. I know the game. I, I know what's going on. He's like, no, no, man. You know, God wants your family together. God wants this. God wants that. I'm like, but I know, like, I know. No, man, God wants your family, you know, just put it all, give it all to God. I'm like, fuck, man. So one day I snapped, man, I took that bitch's phone. Um, I took her phone and I took off out of the house so I could go through it. And she's screaming at me and I just took off jogging. I went down to the church. I remember I went down to the uh, bleachers and I sat on the church bleachers. I start going through her phone and there's a message after message after message and there's not shit in there. I'm going through and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, there's literally nothing. Like, I'm fucking tripping. Like, I'm fucking losing it. Like, I thought for sure, you know, and I'm like, fuck, what the fuck? So now I'm walking back toward the house and I'm just feeling like a total piece of shit, man. Cause like, I'm totally devoted to God and like, I'm totally at this point and I'm just totally like church, church. But I was like, I know this bitch is fucking cheating on me. And I, I wanted every reason to fucking quit, but I didn't have the reason. So as I'm walking back to the house, phone's completely empty, and it fucking rings. Ding! I open the phone, and it's a text message. It says, hey, baby, saved under a girl's name. I'm like, what? So I play along. It's a fucking guy, man. She has a fucking boyfriend, though. Fucking, while she's living, with me, you know, uh, sleeping in my bed and shit. So I don't think of it too much because I was doing the same thing, trifling prior to having a family. But at this point, I valued my family so high that this ain't this, this can't fly. So... She don't have shit going for her. She don't have a job or nothing. Um, so it's like, I'm not, I'm not providing for you. You're not fucking living under my roof. And even then we live with my sister at the time. It was like, we're not fucking living here and you're fucking cheating and doing this shit and fuck you. You know what I mean? You're not fucking under my sister's house. So at this point, she don't have nowhere to go. She has her own uh, backstory and shit. So she don't have nowhere to go. Her mom's a piece of shit. And, then, and uh, she lived with her sister when I met her. So blah, blah, blah. She has a father in Washington that, has cancer and is given six months to live supposedly i'm like fuck i can't provide for my son i'm getting out of my sister's house um basically i just lost my family my family fell apart i gave up i cracked you know and i was like fuck it go go to washington take my son i'll I'll be down here i'll try to get my shit together and we'll see you know hopefully i get him back one day she went to washington her dad lived like five six more years whatever he just died recently but um yeah, my son went to Washington, and uh, it was over. It was over. Um, that's when Bob Dog was born. That was definitely, because I'd been through a lot of shit at that point, but now that I finally had a purpose and then I lost it, it was the darkest place I'd ever been. Um, definitely darkest place. So darker than, you know, when my mom left, darker than any of that shit. This was, this was dark. I feel Sorry for the people around me. I know I hurt a lot of people physically. I'm sure emotionally. I was robbing everybody. I, I had no friends left. Um, it was uh, it was a it was an emptiness I couldn't explain. I stopped going to church. I I was too shamed that you know 
Like he said, God wanted my family together, so I let God down. Um, I don't know if God wanted our family together. If she's fucking, she's over here cheating and texting. So that's why I question the whole God thing. But that's a whole nother conversation. But I was, I was empty. I was a piece of shit, and I was judged as a failure, which I was at that point. Um, I took the van that was given to me by my pastor to go to church, and I stopped going to church, but I lived in the van, so now I had nowhere to live. I wasn't going to church. I know he wanted the van, and he wanted me to go to church. And I, I was too ashamed to go back because I knew that, you know, I gave up on my family. Uh, the van I was living in, so I didn't want to give the van back because I didn't want to go back to living under a bridge. Uh, that shit sucks. So I was kind of keeping the van that was my pastor's van, and I wasn't going to church, and it was, it was all fucked up. It was a piece of shit, a piece of shit. It's back again. Like, and that's all it was. I mean, there's nothing I can tell you otherwise. And uh, somewhere around that point, I mean, my mom and stepdad had got back together after I had moved out of state, and at some point my mom and stepdad got back together. Well, um, my mom and stepdad helped me. Cause I had, I was, I was down to nothing, you know, living out of my van. I was, I was down to shit, man. I don't know how I would have recovered. I was, I just remember getting all my dimes and nickels and going and buying tall cans and having to make the decision. Do I want to eat a hamburger or do I just want to go get a tall can of OE? And 90% of the time I'm going down to get a tall can of OE. Like we going to get fucked up. I'll figure this shit out. And you know, once I get fucked up, we'll go find somebody to rob. We'll go find some shit to do. We go rob, you know, a business or we go do something. So that's the way that it was going. I used to ride around my boy Josh. For those that know, y'all know. Um, and that's when my mom and stepdad stepped in. I think they knew I'd be dead. You know, I, I, I was going a real, real, real bad route. So they stepped in and said that I could live with them, which was nice. That's when uh, the van, I, I lost the van. Now my pastor knew where to find me at, so I ended up losing the van. They, uh, my stepdad got me an 86 Toyota Camry that was Fucked up in the front and the back, but it only had 60000 so I was cool on it. But that shit went missing one day. And then, yeah, man, I was just going. It was, life was a bitch, man. But I was always, at that point, I was just a piece of shit. Like, it was very clear. It was very evident. Um, my mom and dad, se- uh, my mom and stepdad separated again. So now it's me, my mom, and my little brother. So we're living in motels. We're living that life. So I'm back living motels, you know, back to looking like the failure we are. Um, we eventually got into an apartment, and um, that's when I met my ex. Uh, my ex, she was a little bombshell. She was, she was bad, man. She was fucking beautiful. And she had her own little Honda. I had my little Honda. And um, just an amazing person. And when I met her, she thought I was better than I was. I was definitely nothing. I had nothing. Um, but she thought I was something. She definitely, I was viewed as a success in her eye for some reason. She was like, there's always something about you. I don't know what it is, but like I said, I've been around a lot of pimps and shit. So I definitely have a different swagger and demeanor than most of the people, especially around this parts. So as I met her, she just, um, it felt like I was looking back and this is where it comes into judgment. I just, I had somebody that judged me as a success, somebody that viewed me as a failure, or at least promising. So as she got to know me, she was in love with me. I could tell she loved me, man. She was beautiful. She would go out. She could have anybody, and she chose to come home to me. And that's when I realized I didn't have any, uh, like, real con- like uh, jealousy issues when it came to that type of stuff. I really learned that with her because she would go out. You could party anytime you want, and she would come back 2.30 a.m., come in my door, and she would be at my house, and she would want to be there, and I was just so thankful, man. It's like, go do whatever the fuck you want to do. I don't care. Oh, She talked to 100 guys, like, she had all types of guys. Guys gave her Xboxes she would bring home and we'd play 
together at my house. And it was like, I don't give a fuck what you do. She came and chose me. Like I said, I don't value sex in that position. I don't even think she was having sex. It's just when you're a beautiful girl, you get a lot of attention. And if you play your cards right, you can definitely benefit. She was, she played her cards right. She was smart. She was good with money. She was good with that type of shit. So I met her and that was, I think, the first time that I thought I felt like somebody viewed me as success or believed that I could be successful again. So she definitely helped me out um, a lot. We were riding t- together, fuck, five years, man. Um, and then, for those that don't know, she ended up snitching on my buddy who had two strikes, and she was getting him his third strike. So that shit happened. Um, I'm not one for snitching. You can't snitch on my buddy like that. I don't give a damn if I love you today or don't. Um, when that shit happened and you become the testifying witness and I got police all over my jobs, and I wasn't even there. I had fucking left already because she slapped me inside of the bar because I had given a bartender an extra dollar tip compared to the guy even though there was no fucking line so um she ended up slapping me i was like i'm not doing this i'll leave like you know what i mean in the bar she slapped me my, my my people were there she ended up going to talk to some other guy or was dancing with them or something i'm not really sure how that shit went but my my guys went over and they fucking got an altercation they broke the guy's jaw whatever they were looking to press charges they're at my job whatever this bitch snitched on me, bro. No lie. Like, she she had the police and their detectives calling me, you know, Bobby. And I was like, oh, no, none of the paperwork calls me that. Like, you got that from somewhere. But everybody else involved in this whole thing all knows me by my work name. You know, I'm Rob, everybody, everybody, only one person. So it was very easy to figure out where the fuck this came from. So when I questioned her about it, I was like, hey, you fucking snitched me out, didn't you? Like, what the fuck? Because she called me that whole night. She was blowing up my phone when I left. I turned my phone off. I gave her all her shit. Come get your purse out of my car, blah, blah, blah. I'm leaving. I turned my phone off. I go home. I wake up to all these messages from her, from them, from from my people. You know, everybody just, I knew some shit happened. So, you know, I go find out what happened. Detectives come to my job. I tell them I ain't got shit to talk to you about. You know what I mean? I'm I'm not. I'm not giving up nobody, but at the same time, I wasn't there, so I don't fucking know. I don't know who the fuck you're talking about. I wasn't there. If y'all know anything, y'all know I wasn't in the fucking building. So if you want to know what happened when I wasn't there, I wasn't fucking there. Nothing you can do to me, right? So I stand my ground. Yeah, they're, they're flipping out on me. Oh, fucking next thing you see us will be in the, in the courtroom. I'm like, you'll be lucky if you get me in there, motherfucker. You know what I mean? Like, fuck you, but... Bitch snitched on me either way. She's talking about, no, I didn't. The cops keep calling me. I'm like, bitch, what do you mean they're calling you? How they got your cell phone number? Bitch, they come to my job. And I wasn't even there. That's why I like, bitch be playing. But she she lied to me. That's why I knew, like, oh, yeah, bitch, you're done. So I got my people on the other side. They're looking for their third strike. They got a witness out here. And now I know the location of the witness. So I give the witness location. I got people going to that house. They tearing that. They trying to kill that bitch. That bitch telling the police. The police calling my shit, asking me who's hunting this bitch down right in this bitch's house. It's going down, right? So I got police everywhere. I'm viewed as a super failure now, boy. I'm telling you what. And uh, it's, it's, it's going down. I, I do have a job. I'm working really good. I was moving up, supervisor, all that shit. I got detectives storming the job. I got uniformed policemen. I got shits going down at my job. Viewed as a success or as a failure more than ever. <sighs> life, life, life. So just keep working my job next thing you know boom picked up a new lady this becomes my new baby mama so she 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 gets on now I'm, I'm the most successful i've ever been when somebody gets in my life legally at this point so she comes in um, i'm doing all right you know i got a solid job i'm living yes with my mom and my brother but we're all partners in this it's not like really anybody you know not we're partners at this point she don't have anywhere to go brother don't you know we're all partnering on this one so um we're going and uh 
got a new lady. See now this life plays out and I my brother, man, my little brother. So he got in a street bike accident at some point. He ended up in a coma. Um he's never the same when he did finally come out of it. We didn't know if he was ever gonna come out of a coma. I saw a lot of people, a lot of childhood people came out and, you know, showed a lot of support and stuff. So even though they kind of probably did view us, well, my brother was a little more successful than I was, but definitely some people, even though we were failures, we did see a lot of love when that type of thing happened. But my brother, he came out and he was not the same mentally after his accident. I mean, he was in our apartment on either 4th of July or New Year's or something. He let a bullet go, let a gun off, bullet went through the wall almost hit the kid next door. Police were called. Police came. They flipped my whole house, right? I come home, and I thought I was robbed. I was like, oh, shit, somebody robbed us. No big deal, whatever. And not the first time. And I start looking. I'm like, oh, no, everything's here. And then I see the, I see a police badge. Uh, it's a fucking hockey puck that I had from a rain game, but on the backside it has a police badge on it, like a picture. That was flipped up, and it was on top of my digital scale. I was like, oh, the police were here, right? So I'm like, what the fuck? Well, Long story short, my brother shot a bullet off. We get a three-day eviction notice. Now, the lady of the apartments, I'm really cool with her son. I know her personally, and uh, it's nothing but love. You know, I, I got along with her and her family very well, and I, I go see them all the time. So she was nice enough to not put an eviction on our record, and instead of giving us three days, she actually gave me five. Um, I went to my neighbor personally. I spoke with her. I apologized for what my family did. I let her know that her safety would not be in jeopardy that my brother would not be there, but that we were moving out immediately and we were going to get the hell away. So all that went down, you know, and it's like viewed more as a failure. So I'm used to being viewed and laughed at and, you know, I am a piece of shit and people have identified it. So I wasn't too big on that one. So from that scenario, I'm back to homeless. I don't got nowhere to go. You know what I mean? So I got the new lady. She's like, you can live with me at my mom's house. I'm like, I ain't fucking trying to live with your parents' house. I'm fucking grown-ass man. I can't even live with my own parents. I ain't trying to live with yours. So I ended up actually taking off to Texas, working on the oil field, um, came back, got my own house established. You know, I got me and my lady, and got my son coming back into town. So now my son's coming down. Um, he's actually in California. His mom moved back. So now I got my son in the state, and my lady gets pregnant. So now we have a little girl on the way. I mean, I'm living a new life, man. It, it is fucking amazing. So my son comes back. I got a complete family. My daughter's born. I mean, everything's fucking amazing, dude. Um, my son's mom, she moves out of state. She moves back to Washington, leaves my son here. He's here. He's going to school. He's fucking wiling out when he first goes into school, being a fucking problem child. I got the school calling me every fucking day. He's doing this. He's doing that. He's fucking screaming and fucking doing shit in class, like off the wall shit. So we get that shit under control. We got my son doing good in school. He's doing fucking awesome, man. And, uh, he's doing awesome. I got my daughter. She's here. We got literally my complete family. I got my job. My lady's working. We're doing our thing. I got side business going. I'm fucking doing shirts. I'm doing all this shit. Um, I'm uh silk screening. I think it was screen printing shirts, silk screen, anything. So I'm screen printing shirts and shit, man. And one day I come back, I got all my wet ink out and I'm doing the wet ink and shit. And you got to do this shit quick because it dries. And once that shit dries, you're fucked. So I'm working with the ink and it's white ink at that. That's the hardest. Go out to wash a screen. And as I walk outside, the police are out there. I'm like, what the fuck are they doing here? I'm like, what do y'all want? 
And they're like out there and I see his mom, my son's baby mama down there. I'm like, what the fuck? And long story short, they end up taking my son away from me. Even though I had him here for two years, had him enrolled in school and shit. I just never did no court shit. Like she left him with me. Like what the fuck? He's here. He goes to school here. Like what the fuck are y'all doing? Paperwork. She's got custody. So she takes my son. Can't do nothing about it. Um, my son's gone. You know what I mean? And just recently, um, got into it with my son's mom. I, I'm, Put it simple. She's the most entitled fucking bitch I ever met, man. I literally, it's so fucking hard to be around her. She grew up with a, a mother that's very unionized and they're very, if anybody's worked with the union, you know how entitled them motherfuckers are. And it's like, they ain't got to work, but you fucking owe me everything. Motherfuckers, dude, fucking bitch. Um, it's like, I got to, I pay the rent, you know what I mean? All the rent for fucking years or five, six years. And, uh, I, I manage with what I got a little bit. I got some old school little Hondas, you know, I always spend a little bit. This bitch be splurging on cars, dude. New car every fucking year. I swear to God, dude. Every, her fucking mom's the same way. They just splurge. Fucking brand new shit. Brand new shit. When I ask her, like, what are you doing? Why are you? Well, I don't want no car that's going to break down on me. It's like, you don't need a fucking new car, you dumbass. But um, you, you can't teach somebody that. It's like, like, that's what makes me so. I value my previous relationship because she had an old Honda. I had an old Honda. We didn't have to pay any car notes. Her car always drove. My car drove. We had two. Hondas, they fucking run. Like, you just take care of them, they run. Um, they're not the most luxurious. They're not like a new car. You don't have fucking heated seats. You don't have all that bullshit. But, you know, like, when you got just a reliable little car, and it just runs under this illusion that I can't be stranded. Da, 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 da. So, always got a new fucking car. Always got new shit. Always buying new fucking toys for the fucking baby. Always materialistic as fuck. So, that shit finally came to an end, and now it's just solo bolo. And now it's going to be, I just think a lot about judgment because it's like, I'm in the world now. Um, I'll probably lose this place because I'm not going to be able to afford everything that I have right now with my, with my income and what's going on. So like I said, I was trying to establish my own company right now. I am unemployed on top of that. So even the unemployment that comes in doesn't make my rent. I have a lot of little side hustles that I'm working on that I'm trying to get going that'll help um, with the finances. But that's a whole, that's a whole, uh, a whole lot of failure. If y'all want to uh, judge me on anything, you know what I'm saying? But I guess my, my, my whole point is, um, I've navigated this far in my life and I should still be viewed as a failure. So when it comes to judgment, if you're out there and you have people laughing at you, just know whatever you did probably isn't that bad. I've done worse. You know what I mean? I've done, um, when it comes to killings, I've done it legally and I've done it illegally, you know? And when it comes to, uh, Doing, you know, oh, that's why I was talking about the crack lady when I went three days without eating, man. I just remember the lady coming up and she had a damn near newborn, man. And she walked up to me. She's like, hey, baby, baby, <laughs> I got three dollars. I need something. And this baby's diaper so fucking bloated, like ballooned. It's just full. And I'm like, what? She's like, I got three dollars. I need something. Like, Your baby needs a diaper. And I was like, and I don't do three dollars. She's like, what, what do you five if i come back with two more i'm like you come back with two more i'll serve it but that baby needs a fucking diaper i remember her leaving she came back two more dollars and change i gave her the five you know i served her a five sack of crack she took off like that's what it comes down to i know i'm I'm that piece of shit you know what i mean so at the same time i would have taken that baby from her and done my best to raise her if if i would have had the opportunity so instead of having um another child because i did just have my second one what, what is she for now I wanted to adopt. I've never wanted another child. I felt that there's enough children in this world that they, they, 
they deserve an opportunity. And there's enough children in this world that don't get the opportunity that they rightly deserve. So especially in America, I'm, I've, I get a lot of privileges. We have a lot of freedoms. We have a lot of blessings here that other people don't have. So we already start with uh, an upper hand on life. We'll put it that way for now, as long as it lasts, the American dollar depreciate like a motherfucker, but you know, um, I just want to talk about, you know, and just put a little, uh, just let them judge you folks. Let, let the people judge you. Let them laugh at you. I've been laughed at my whole life. I gave them plenty of reasons to laugh at me. And at the same time, I have people that look up to me. I have children that look up to me. I have buddies that always look up to me. Like, how the fuck do you make it, man? Like they've seen the cards that I've dealt. I see that I'm still smiling. You, you can't take the smile off my face. You know what I mean? I'm so thankful for just the ability to wake up, the ability to move my toes, the ability to see my kids each day. And it's like, I think about all that shit, man. And I, people laugh at us and I know it affects people, man. I know it does. I see that our suicide rate and uh, just those types of things. And it's, it's sad, man. It's sad that a lot of people, you know, judging you and people have laughed at me my whole life, you know, and not my whole life. Cause I actually grew up really with the silver spoon to where I didn't get laughed at. So I got to enjoy fitting in. And then I also got to, um, enjoy the standing out, you know, and at some point it's really nice when you do stand out and you don't always get to blend in with the crowd because you get, um, comfortable in uncomfortable situations. So when it comes to navigating scenarios, I'm very comfortable. When it comes to managing or supervising people, it's like, give me anybody. I've probably dealt with their type of culture before. I mean, we can make this work. And, uh, man, it's just people judge you, man. When I lived in uh, Fallon, Nevada, when I, I moved to Nevada, when my first son's mom got pregnant and I, I moved out to go accumulate enough wealth to start you know, a family and provide. So I moved out there and, uh, I lived with, um, native American guy by the name of Myron and also Darwin. Darwin was awesome. But, uh, we used to, we'd sit and drink, man. And he would just listen to his native, native songs, native chants and everything. And he would just like start crying. And he would just tell me what they were saying about how the people, the white man came and stripped their land and everything. And he wouldn't judge me. He would, you know, and he makes sure to tell me, I don't mean you. I don't. And it's like, dude, I don't, I don't take it like that. Like at this point, I've already been su- subjected to, like I live with a Klansman. Um, my Klansman brother-in-law, even though I was white, he judged me because I dated outside. I loved women of other, other races. Like what the fuck? Like you tripping, bro. So I wasn't accepted on that side, you know? And then I went to the um, non-white schools and I wasn't really accepted on that side. As I started dating, like, my first, you know, my second girlfriend, she was bad, bro. She was like super hipped out booty, all that shit. When we go to bars and stuff, dude, being the only white guy with the baddest chick, I got in so many fights just due to that, you know, and just the hatred that I, I was subjected to because people are judging me, you know, and it's like, I get it, man. I'm, 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 I'm the little white guy. I fly as hell having a good ass time. Like, I don't give a fuck how y'all feel. Y'all could be me mugging me. I feel like you're a dumbass just for looking at a dude. We got all this booty in here. So I'm that guy, you know, I love having a good time, but I love to, I love to hit that darkness too. I'm very comfortable in the darkness. So I just wanted to reach out, put that message out there. Let y'all know that if somebody is laughing at you, when they look at you, just know, man, I'm the piece of shit. So feel good about yourselves. Um, Go out there, have confidence. If you are going a certain way in life, you can change. Um, I, I am proof. I am the reason why I believe 
that there is change and I don't believe in much. I mean, there is literally proof I can, I can show you. So when I'm, I can honestly go right back to being a piece of shit tomorrow. I really don't. They're both in me. So the good, the bad, if you want to call it that I'm comfortable with any way you want to live life. Basically, um, we can remove the tongue so they can't say a word. It don't matter to me. I'm all with it. So folks, I just wanted to put that out there so you all can look at your situation and hopefully it's been better than mine. Hopefully you find something that maybe you can be grateful for the way that you did grow up or that the things that you had. And, um, if people are laughing at you, let them judge you, let them laugh, man. I've got plenty of trophies in my life and I went from being on top, being sponsored. I have a literally, I was the top of the podium so many times and now I don't even, I can't even get into the competition. I can't even afford to, to compete. So just take that with you folks. Know that I love, appreciate each and every one of y'all. Um, Thank you for listening. I truly appreciate it. Let them judge you. Let them laugh. They laugh at me all the time, and it literally makes no difference. I have none of my friends from high school. None of my friends are still here. The ones that are still, I mean, most of my friends are dead. The ones that are still here, they're all in prison. So if I would have given a fuck about what more people thought, I would have taken a different road, and I would value it differently. So today I can value everything that I have tremendously. And You, as my listeners, are one of them. So I thank you. I love you. I appreciate each and every one of y'all motherfuckers. I really do wish you the best, and I'm out. The time has come. You've been listening to the Nipple Whiskers Podcast with your host, Bob Dog. He doesn't like you either. Follow us on social media, subscribe on YouTube, and visit nipplewhiskerspodcast.com for exclusive offers and information on upcoming episodes. This podcast will now self-destruct in three, two, one...